Hi ni pi hi ni pi hi ni pi. Wajani wina, Jankishna, hini karagi wina. Hanachni pi, arajara wi, pi ji, wonungshana. Good morning and greetings from the land of eleven nations, or as everyone else calls it, Wisconsin. I am doing fantastic this morning, and I sincerely hope everyone else is as well. With so much going on in the world today, let's just focus on, on uh, what's going on in our little part of it and see if we can't make sense of that. To each and every one of you who listen to this podcast, thank you very much. Time is our most precious commodity, and I truly appreciate you sharing yours with me. If you'd like to get in touch with me, ring me up if you have my number. If not, we have a couple of ways to get in touch. My Gmail address is moneycucksick at gmail.com. That's M-A-N-I-K-A-K-S-I-K at gmail.com. I'm pretty active on a Chipotle Facebook page, um, but I do check in several times with it, and we'll see how it goes. Twitter and LinkedIn I'm pretty good with, and Instagram is always an available avenue of contact. We have met the enemy, and he is us. This quote is from the great American philosopher, Pogo, a creation of the American artist, a cartoonist, Walt Kelly. Uh, probably a way before a lot of your times. But in a nutshell, this is us, the whole chunk nation. In 1963, a spit of land is donated to us, and from this we begin to reinvent ourselves. We write a constitution, we create a government with four co-equal branches. We receive a windfall when the Supreme Court allows gaming on indigenous land, and in a space of 20 years, we build six gaming facilities with a seventh on the docket. We begin to pay ourselves net profit distribution, per cap if you will, and our youngsters receive huge payments on their 18th birthday, making us the subject of sensational internet stories and news. Throughout all of this, we've had one thing working for us and against us, our legislature. A long time ago, to be honest, I don't know when, our president seems to have lost his authority to lead the nation. But all of our presidents have had the bully pulpit, the ability to stand above the legislature and the people and demand that they, the legislature, work for the people. Why they never barnstormed throughout the nation and laid their vision out for the people, to the people directly, I'll never understand. It's never happened, though. Why? Instead, our legislature was and always is on the brink of removing our presidents. To what end? Our legislature has gathered power, both legal and illegal, and not one of our presidents, save the one we have now, was able to fight this power grab. And I ask again, to what end? Now, our legislature has accomplished some good things. The land purchased for the Beloit Casino, the gaming ordinance that was written to protect casino workers after the rampage of the gaming ordinance years ago, and per cap. But, on balance, I think our legislature has run amok and has largely been unchallenged. Now, to lay the blame on our legislature is too easy, though. We elect these people. They're our relatives. And when we are on the receiving end of their largesse, we defend their actions. But when our legislature takes punitive action against individuals, we never take it upon ourselves to hold our legislature accountable for these actions to force them to stop this destructive behavior. We never work together to force them to work for our common good. We never had an actual fourth estate to publicly question our political leadership. We never questioned them on their course of action and then followed it to see if it accomplished what they said it would. We never forced our legislature to defend their actions in an open forum where they had to answer questions and not just sit quietly until the storm blew over. A fourth estate, or media, if you will, 
would have been rude by nature. To publicly challenge government officials, our relatives, on their actions and decisions would have never been allowed. We all criticize around the fire or water cooler, but to do so publicly, that's just a bridge too far for all of us. Now, we never really fully invested in our general counsel. Perhaps it was because we never saw the political power of the general counsel and what it could and should accomplish. It was, and still is, a direct challenge to the authority of the legislature. One of the greatest mistakes of general counsel was not authorizing an attorney directly through our Constitution. It is this disconnect between general counsel resolutions and inaction by the legislature. Henry White Thunder, the deputy advocate of the general counsel, has said that since 2013, 187 resolutions have been passed by general counsel, but that only 33 resolutions have been acknowledged by our legislature. Now this is public knowledge, and that is a major disconnect. It is here that we have to decide what is it we want. Do we want a fully functioning democracy? Do we want a business-type top-down corporation? Or maybe we can just go back to our WWBC. Or we could simply revert back to the Klan system with our hereditary chief and dissolve our government. Whatever we decide, we need participation from all of us. One of the things that I'm a big fan of and am always pushing is public discourse. We cannot always be complainers. We have to advocate solutions for ourselves and our nation. For any problem or obstacle you encounter, you just can't look at it and complain. As a normal human being, you have to find a way to deal with said problem. Now the easiest solution is to kick the can down the road and put off confronting the problem till another time. Funny thing though, that time never seems to occur for a lot of us. I mean, there is always tomorrow, right? But how many tomorrows are any of us promised? Complaining and procrastinating are not the ways to build a life or a nation. Advocating solutions, offering plans, rolling up your sleeves and getting down to do the grunt work. That will help the nation forward and is what we should be offering up for one another. And incidentally, this is what our legislatures promised us when they ran for office. Diversifying business, housing, renewable energy, and government transparency and accountability among a myriad of other promises. It's interesting to note that two legislative candidates that ran for office, office promising government transparency and separation of business from government, both lost in their primaries. But if we look at our legislative candidates' background, I see nothing that should exclude a lot of our candidates from holding office. However, I see nothing in our legislative candidates' background that should allow them anywhere near a quarter-billion-dollar operation that has a direct effect upon all of us. No, 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 no. No. Moving on. A lot of us has fallen into the trap of looking for help from one group or another and relying on this. And our legislature has fed this need. Now, our legislators are not the only government entity to create and foster this dependency. This dependency is insidious and destructive. Some of us have been raised to consistently seek, consistently seek this help out and almost come to expect it as a sort of birthright. It has become so commonplace now that there is no shame involved and the behavior is institutionalized. Our federal government dangles money out to all of us for one thing or another, from defense contractors to bankers to universities to students for this good cause and for that honorable cause until this trickles down to every, everyday citizens like you and me. Now, some of us look to federal, state, county, and Ho-Chunk Nation government for help for almost all of our outstanding problems. We've been led down this path by federal and private institutions, by insidious means, and also 
just by plain old laziness on our part. We don't have to work to survive anymore. The means of survival are all around us if we simply ask. But it is a trap like the sirens from the Odyssey. I went down this path not to lay this problem at any person's feet. I did it because I want us to understand what we are up against when we attempt to raise our nation and by commission ourselves from this dependency. I want to point out my own participation in this. First, I openly advocated for the nation to get as many government grants as possible. And as of right now, I'm still advocating this position. But let's remember that cheese isn't free, and there are rules and responsibility that come with its use. Another federal source of funds that I'm advocating is federal 8A programs. A large number of indigenous nations use this program to enhance their bottom line. And for good reason, Uncle Sugar always pays his bills. An entire bureaucracy can be built and established just on applying and administering these two programs alone. Careers for educated Ho-Chunks are available and found wanting because we have failed to reach out and grasp this opportunity with two hands. The problem here is we, the Ho-Chunk Nation, are relying on bureaucrats within the state and federal structure for our economic survival. The more funds we receive from federal and state entities, the more we are tied to their line of thinking. We have to ape their policies in order to stay within their good graces. And this is sometimes tricky business when our policies don't mesh with their policies, don't mesh with ours. As of today, I believe the risk of federal 8A programs and government and private grants are well worth the trouble. I equate these programs on a level with methadone to heroin users. It's a necessary evil to help us kick our dependency to the state and federal programs. But it's not the answer. It's simply a program. Our, the Ho-Chunk Nation economy, is stagnant and has been for quite a while. And while our casinos show positive growth at the moment, have we done any actuarial studies that show what our financial growth will be in 5, 10, 25, 50 years down the road? Have we done any studies on what our nation will look like from a population and social aspect? Do we know what the economic and political landscape will be like when our compacts are up for negotiation? If we, if we have done these actual actuarial studies, why haven't they been shared with us? For too long, we have let our legislature steer the nation through our day-to-day -day tribulations when it is constitutionally none of their concern. We have a president to administer day-to-day -day operations of all the various departments with directors of those departments responsible for the execution of programs and the accountability of funds. What say we give these directors a chance to run their departments without being micromanaged by the legislature? We, the whole chunk nation people, have to have a serious discussion on what we want our legislature to be in the future. We really need a serious discussion on what we want our government to look like in the future and how it will interact with us going forward. Our problems are many, but at the moment they are somewhat manageable. Can we have a legislature that will work with our president, our general counsel, and our judiciary on these problems and create a strong and healthy nation for ourselves and our posterity? We have met the enemy, and it is us. The statement is accurate and frightening. Let's work together and meet the challenge. We went to Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison last night. The jackpots are actually getting pretty big. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah, I don't really get how the jackpots work. Oh, that's okay. It's actually a very common question. You see, there are wide area progressive jackpots that link slot machines from casinos nationwide for a large jackpot win. Large, like $1,000? Like $100,000? A little bit higher. A million? Exactly. Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison actually has had multiple million-dollar winners. Hey, Dave, tell them about linked progressive jackpots. Sure thing, honey. 
There are linked progressive slot machines at the same casino where local players increase the jackpot amount. And a standalone progressive jackpot increases when a player plays on an individual machine that isn't linked to any other machines. More wine? <laughs> Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. More ways to win. Find your perfect jackpot. Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. Do you keep track of your personal income in, say, a checking account? Do you also track your spending to make certain that you do not get overdrawn in your checking account? Most people do, or they face overdraft fees from their bank. The people of the Whole Chunk Nation adopted our Constitution in November of 1994. For nearly 28 years, the legislature had established a finance committee until the current legislature eliminated several standing committees, including the Finance Committee, and they established a finance commission. There has never been a public statement to the people as to why the legislature took this unprecedented action. Today, there are no committees or commissions other than the Finance Commission. For all intents and purposes, the Finance Commission is completely identical to the Finance Committee. It is changed in name only. But I digress. The purpose of today's lesson is to drill down a little into what I observe as a Ho-Chunk Nation governmental lack of full transparency and what I consider a half-truth of information to the people. Okay, admittedly calling out a legislative half-truth may be a bit harsh, but hear me out. For far too long, almost 28 years, the people of the Ho-Chunk Nation have allowed our legislature to get by with reviewing and reporting only executive branch financial information. Allow me to clarify. At monthly finance committee meetings, or more recently, a monthly finance commission meetings, and sometimes at area, monthly area meetings, legislators have reported on the status of the nation's revenues. Remember my opening question to the class. Do you keep track of your personal income? When legislators report the revenues to the people, they check that box and can confidently say, yes, we along with the people track the nation's revenues. But that is only half the story. So the legislature reports to the people the financial activity of the executive branch. But what of the legislature's half of the equation? Remember the second part of my question to the class. Do you also track your spending to make sure you do not, you're not overdrawn on your account? The aspect of spending the nation's revenue is a function of the legislature. Where is this half of the monthly finance commission report to the people? For almost 28 years under our constitution, the people of the Ho-Chunk Nation have not received any sort of monthly detailed report on legislative spending. While, they're cr while they crane their necks to look at the nation's revenues, they have failed to report on their half of the equation. I mentioned in a previous podcast that every other government I am aware of, whether a village, town, city, county, state, federal government, I mean a federal government, provides public information about their budgets and expenditures. The Ho-Chunk Nation legislature needs to provide every tribal member with the legislature's annual budget. This should include their organizational chart and expenditures for each position in the legislature's budget. Monthly expenditures and account balances should also be made readily available to tribal members. I critically stated that we, the people, have allowed our legislature to inform us of half-truths regarding tribal financial information. By requiring the legislature to report on their expenditures, we, the people, will receive the full truth. I have heard rumors that the nation's businesses business shutdowns resulting from the pandemic revealed that the legislature had been overspending and, in place the, and had placed the budget in a deficit. So while they had been busying themselves with executive branch revenue generating reports, they were inadequately managing their own spending and not reporting to the people their spending habits. For you and me, they were, over, they were overdraft on their checking account. If we, the people, demand that the legislature inform us of their baseline annual budget 
and require that they report their spending at their monthly finance commission meetings and at the monthly area meetings, we will be allowed to keep score at home. We will get the full truth. We will be able to monitor their spending and we will be able to hold our elected representatives accountable. To be clear, this is not an attack on the legislature. After all, we elected people who we believed were going to look out for the best interests and the best interests of the nation. And when they got into office, they simply fell into the same old practices, practices of those who preceded them. We, therefore, must establish new expectations of our elected lawmakers. Expectations that include tribal dollars spent on outside legal counsel and why they feel such services were necessary. Expectations on tribal dollars spent on land acquisitions. Expectations on tribal dollars spent on legislative staff. Expectations that we, the people, are informed of all legislative expenditures. The legislature spent a half a million dollars on a non-refundable Illinois gaming license application fee for their unilateral pursuit of a casino in Linwood, Illinois. I ask rhetorically, did they ask any of you or bother to provide their reasons for this gambit? We, the people, should have been made aware of this sizable expenditure of tribal dollars. Instead, news of this expenditure had to be learned through Illinois media and not from our own government. This is not government transparency. This is government secrecy that has created distrust and suspicion of our own government for the Ho-Chunk people. This is but one example of expenditure that should have been reported to the people. What about the easement sale in Madison? Did we sell it, or was it seized under eminent domain? It happened weeks ago. Do we still need to keep this secret? And what about the $80,000 the legislature just gave to the Linwood LLC so they could catch up with their bills? I have multiple sources telling this to me. If I know this, a sizable number of Ho-Chunks know this, so why not explain why you did what you did. The deed is done, so just explain what you are doing with our money. Financial transparency. Report your expenditures. Yes, the legislature's finance meetings, by whatever name they wish to go by, may review executive branch or business financial performance in order to arrive at a half-truth. But to get to the full truth, we the people need to be informed of the legislature's annual budget, along with a monthly report of their spending, including a monthly budget balance. I don't know about you, but when it comes to a transparent, democratic style of government that we embraced by adopting our Constitution nearly 28 years ago, and when it comes to the collective tribal dollars, I want the whole truth and nothing but the truth with no overdraft fees. Okay, I'm giving you your allowance for the week, but once that's gone, you'll have to use your own money. Mom, we're, we're both grown adults. You don't need to do that. Speak for yourself. I got the idea from Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. Okay, um, who's a what now? They give Rewards Club members rewards play for using the Rewards Club card while playing. Oh, so it's kind of like cash then. Yes, it's like casino cash. Free spins given to you by the casino. Here, let me show you. With Rewards Play, you can play with free credits on behalf of the casino. Here's how. Insert your card in cash, enter your pen, choose Rewards Play, and begin to play. Remember to have enough cash to cover the bet you want to play. Once your Rewards Play is gone, you can play with your own money. Cookies? Where'd my Rewards Play go? Visit the Rewards Club booth at Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison! Good afternoon, everybody. Um, so I'm piggybacking on a conversation we had recently with uh, Colin Price, and I thought I would invite um, John Warner to come on and help me out with a little explanation. How are you doing today, sir? Good. How are you? Really, really good. Um, Colin Price, in his uh, interview... Uh, mentioned something about uh, three legs of an economy, one for tribal economy, one being gaming, 
uh, one being Program 8A and the other one was being healthcare. Um, I thought I would ask you, because I we were talking um, maybe about a couple months ago about uh, Section 16, and you mentioned that you knew a little bit something about it because you had started a program for the nation. Um, can you explain to the people exactly what pro, uh, 8A is? Sure. So I know Colin had his wonderful uh, meeting down there, ResCon, or um, I forget what it's called exactly, BizCon. BizCon, yep. Uh, yeah, BizCon. So uh, it, it, that is a statewide level um, organization. He had spoken about MBE and DBE organizations, which are uh, DBE being disadvantaged business entities and MBEs being minority business entities. He also kind of referred to the federal program, which is the AA program. So in the state, we have what you call a DBE program. And at the federal level, we have the AA. Uh, 8A is, is developed through, uh, is a program through the Small Business Association of the federal government. And, and for it to work, you kind of got to be in, enrolled in a whole bunch of things. It's a process that goes through, um, that you have to apply for. It's an accreditation. So basically, um, when you organize your business, you being an individual, you qualify because one, you're a Native American. Um, uh, you want to be able to leave, be a legal entity, either a sole proprietorship, a, a LLC, a corporation, and you can be organized through the tribal government or you can be organized through the state. And then you apply for this process. So what that does is it gives you at the state level and the federal level an advantage in the opportunity to bid for work. So the federal government is one of the biggest, uh, biggest customers in the United States. They contract everything. They contract paper consumption, uh, consulting information. They, you, if you, if you're a specialist that knows how to deal with, uh, oh, highway side painting, they contract through that in the Department of Transportation. So they don't have a lot of internal experts that create new new programs, new products, new things, what they do is they, they pick up from uh, uh, outside vendors and then they utilize those expertise to augment their internal system. You ever heard of the uh, uh, mili- military industrial complex? Absolutely. That's one of the biggest contracting processes in the United States, and it's a massive monster. We're talking trillions of dollars in that organization. But other than that, you got the other department called the GSA, which is government services agency. And the GSA is the purchaser or the contractor for the federal government. So G, G, uh, the GSA will go out and find all these vendors and they'll bid out the services and they'll bid out all this process. But as part of their requirement, they're required to set aside minority business organizations so that there's a, there's a percentage of, uh, different people that are supplying uh, supplying goods and services to the federal government. But the basis of everything that you do as an individual, so Shelby, you can actually be a podcast trainer for other departments if they had a contract service requirement. Oh, let me write that down. I'm trying to help you make more money here. That's what I'm saying. So... Your job first is you'd organize either as an LLC or a corporation or you develop as a sole proprietorship or a partnership. Those are those business organizations that are established that make you a business, quote unquote, which I'm sure you've already done it through the tribe. You told me you were going to organize under the, the tribal LLC, which is probably a really easy process. I did say that. So uh, when you get that LLC from the tribe, what you're going to do is you're going to go in and you're going to file as a foreign in the state of Wisconsin because you're organized with the tribe. You would, you would basically get a um, business license or an agreement to operate within the state. Gives you your employee identification number or, or, or so that's the unique status of the business that you're, that you are. After you apply to the state as a foreign because your because your organization is in the tribe, you would then say, 
I want to become a minority business entity or a disadvantaged business entity. So the difference between disadvantaged and minority is disadvantaged is generally women, veterans, um, other ADA type people or organizations that are owned majority by those uh, groupings of people. And then the minority business is those that are specifically of minority, African-American descent, uh, uh, Pacific Islander, Native American, Latina, Latino, Latinx, whatever you want to call it. So those are, those are the MBAs. So the state will organize you individually as a DBE or MBE. The trick to this is generally you have to be in business for a whole year before you can get that accreditation or that certification, right? Correct. So once you've achieved one year of business, then you can apply to the federal S8A program. Okay. Once you've got that accreditation at the state level, then you move to the federal level. The federal level, there's, it's well documented process. You go to, um, the SBA.gov. It's called certified.sba.gov. And then they, they have, it's a very extensive video program with all the documents that you need to do and how you apply for it. Right? Correct. It's really, really an easy process for an individual to follow because as an individual, you can run business like you want because one, one boss makes one decision and it's a lot easier to, to ebb and flow and move through the system. Right? Cause you can make the decisions as an individual podcast maker, making recommendations to the federal government, right? Right. So you can navigate very easily, go through, fill it out, and then you basically wait for your accreditation confirmation that you've been in business for a year, you've been a DBE or MBE in the state, you're you're legitimate and you're still up to date with your uh, government structure and organization, you're, you're, you're paying your dues to the, to, to the tribe, you're reporting your information, and you file taxes. So you have to file taxes as well, right? Okay. Because that's why you have the EIN. Your business has to file taxes. You have to individually file taxes. All this requires filing taxes because I don't care what the Constitution says. Uh, no tax Indians means no tax Indians as a tribe, not as an individual. Cool? Right. Okay. Um, so everything is based in taxes, the reporting income, how long you've been in business, where you're organized, where you're structured. Cool. Then you become an 8A certified contractor, right? Correct. Because you followed all the loopholes, did all the paperwork, did all the check marks. Now you go to, um, now you go to the, um, uh, GSA, you're a filed vendor and let's say, oh, BIA wants to learn how to do podcasts. They put out a bid. Well, 10% of that portion has to be set aside for small business disadvantaged. I, I won't even use BIA because that's a different program. That's by Indian Act, blah, blah, blah. Let's go to Department of Energy wants to put on a, a podcast about whatever reaching Indian country. You're the vendor expert. You can actually contract for services to show the Department of Energy how to put on a podcast to individually speak to Ho-Chunk people or the 11 tribes of Wisconsin. So you have an advantage to bid that work and you don't even have to really bid it. What you're doing is getting set aside work. They say, this is X amount of dollars we have to spend. What can we get for that dollar value within this parameter? Can you meet it? So basically, you're getting negotiated contracts. All right. I can live with that. So good. Boom. You're making money. The problem with an individual tribal member such as Shelby Grant and his podcast capacity is the SBA 8A program is a graduation program. So let's say Shelby does this for five years. You become a multimillionaire because of your training services. Ultimately, they're going to cut you off because they want the next Shelby Grant to take over. 
right? So you're going to move into a different program because the ADA program is a graduation program. Oh, okay. Cool. Shelby moves up. He's made over uh, over $250,000 a year in sales. He's gone out of the set-asides and the negotiated contracts. Now he's in a different level of bidding contracts. Okay? All right. So now you're p- competing against John Warner podcasts. Oh, boy. Not just Shelby Grant podcasts. So now you have to, you, you see how the progression works up. You, you know, the more money you make, the more revenue you create, the higher you go into the program. Eventually you graduate and you become the mentor of all podcasts below you. And that's how the 8A program works for an individual that works on MBE or DBE 8A contracting. Now there's a caveat. The tribes are different. And this is, yeah, this is where I wanted to go with this. So you've got to understand the individual tribal map to go to what the tribe itself does. So you, now you know how an individual progresses through the process, right? Correct. Now tribes never graduate. Tribes also can go through as an individual tribal government or anything that they own as a subsidiary and or a section 17 owned by a tribe can go through as a subsidiary and they never graduate. So they can always be the little guy that never graduates. So how does a tribe do it? They have to get somebody to put forth a resolution to organize a business to say, we're going to do X. We're going to do it with these tribal members to do this business in this location. Now, if the tribe does it the way under the tribe, Ho-Chunk Nation, we're going to run that business just like we run our casinos and government, which is really effective and really good, right? Okay. Uh, and then what happens is if that person from the 8A program or the 8A contracting firm that's working as a DBA from the Ho-Chunk Nation, if you want to work in the casino, you, you can't because you can't get overtime because you're working for the same company. Get it? Yep. So then the tribe will say, oh, well, let's decide if we're going to go to a, a LLC or a corporation. So then they'll spring out a corporation or they'll spring out an LLC, kind of like Blue Wing or uh, Southland, you know, they'll, they'll develop this LLC because it's owned by the tribe. The ownership of that tribe is the tribe, so therefore it automatically qualifies. It never graduates, right? Correct. So then it has to go into business. It has to be in existence for a year. It has to have a tangible output and product. Now, who can start a business in a tribal government program to do business, to do money, to do things? I would say the Department of Business. Usually that's the way it is, but currently based on our LLC structure, it's a low, uh, the legislature that's controlling it. So you have faith there. I, I can tell. So um, you, you move forward with that organization and how much business does it do? I don't know. Let's say it does $10,000 in the first year total sales. Well, then it qualifies and then it can apply to the, uh, it can apply into the, um, 8A program and then it can take off and it starts building all these monies and revenues. But again, depending on the organizational structure, who manages it and what that product is shows how profitable it becomes. So you said this is our next level in product, uh, uh, being able to expand our economy and increasing our profitability. How much faith do you have in our government's ability to manufacture something under our current structure to make money? Well, I'm not too excited about that, to be honest. Um, Yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. So who would you rather do 8A programming with? Well, it'd have to be an individual. 
individual or 12 clans. 12, 12 clans. clans because it has a business model is more advantageous and, and, and is set up for success. And 12 clans is already, I'm sure, proceeding in that direction. And, you know, you can always partner with people to help develop a program, a product, a service. So as long as the nation owns 51% of an entity or structure, it can move into that arena. And it just has to prove it. There, there's a whole bunch of things. But the reality is you have to make a judgment between who do you want to run your business? And that's what everything we've always talked about. Who do you want running our business? Somebody that's over the age of 21, that no requirement for high school, no requirement for college, no requirement in experience to make decisions for your business? Or would you require, or would you rather have somebody that has an education, a background experience and, and can do that kind of work? It, it comes back to, do you want the money or do you just want the prestige of having that accreditation? So basically what you're telling me is that Malax, um, the Pokagans, the Potawatomis, um, a lot of these tribes that have this, even Ho-Chunk Inc., that uh, work in this 8A programs, they have uh, accredited people working for them? They have experts in their field, Absolutely. Greenfire organization, which is owned by Potawatomi, it's their construction company. They are hammering it in the Nahasda environment. In other words, Nahasda is a central funder for housing urban development, which is our tribal housing. So they have actual partnered with a construction company that has background that has mentored, trained, and developed that. And then who runs that? Those are actual architectural engineering people with a background that have the experience in running that type of business. So it's the people that are in the environment. They don't have tribal preference. They have, they generally hire the people that need to be in there to do the job with a special provision in their charters or their organizational structure that they'll mentor and bring a tribal member up in the organization to train them in that industry or to develop a business for people that are coming up, their tribal members in an industry. Okay, I hate to be the this guy, but I'm going to ask anyways. Why hasn't the Ho-Chunk Nation worked for this certification? Why aren't we doing that to help diversify our economy after all these many years? Because it takes risk. So we're so accustomed to having casino profits that when you're getting a 5% return on a business, that's peanuts. It doesn't matter. It doesn't contribute. We tend to forget that five nick, you know, 20 nickels makes a dollar. A hundred pennies makes a dollar. But when we get into businesses that don't have that high of profitability, that means it's much easier to lose money. Right. And if it's easier to lose money, that means you got to really have a management team in place and do a good business model to keep that moving forward. We've talked in the past about Walmart working on a one, two percent profit margin. Right. So it when it when you have management structures that are very intelligent and they have to move in a business manner. It's hard for a 21-year-old with a less than high school education to tell this person how to run a business and make profit and keep them employed. Okay. Right? Yeah, that's, um, that's a cold slap in the face. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And that's why we haven't been able to be successful. We have a lot of tribal members that probably could hold the mantle. But you can't be an elected official and hold that mantle. You see what I'm saying? Two different ants, two different processes. Okay, but this is something that we should be chasing, or we're just looking at uh, 12 clans and working through them. What would be in your my opinion? Yes. In my opinion, and this is only my opinion. This is all I'm asking I, you for. I believe that 12 clans is best suited to do what we want, to develop and and. and diversify our economy 
Because if we leave it up to the tribal uh, elected officials, we're asking people that have never worked outside the tribe, for the most part. The majority of our people that are elected have not worked outside of the tribe. That's why everybody loves them, because, you know, they're, they help their nani go to the grocery store or whatever that you say. You see, so how do you, how do you get... How do you get good business leaders to do things? You have to have them right off the get go. They have to they have to bring out outside perspective and understand the Maikabe Woshka to make it successful. Because we as a Ho Chunk doing Wongshik Woshka is totally different than Maikabe Woshka. Two different two different worlds. Even even the Maikabe law is not equal to what our our Wongshik law is. And we've got to be able to broach the two separate between the two. And I appreciate a lot to you. So it's up to you. Who would you rather have? Somebody that's really good at what they do in business? Or would you like take a chance at somebody that never worked for business on the outside world to become successful? I'm going to lean towards the business person. Well, well, that's what that's what everybody else does. That's why Ho Chunk Inc. is successful. That's why Potawatomi is successful. Malax is successful. They don't they don't make it a ho, they don't make it their tribal thing. What they do is make it a business thing or an expertise thing. All right, sir. You put uh, splash some cold water on us, and I think uh, we should all say thanks. Um, <laughs> real quick. Um, do you have anything to um, add to this? And what uh, what is the one thing we should be looking forward to, we should be working on individually and as a nation to try to get this into fruition? Well, first of all, if you have a talent or a service that you think that you could be successful at, you know, uh, I heard a lot about the um, Wild Berries organization. I hear about um, the Sains Art Institute. I hear about... Uh, Colin doing what he's doing with his uh, uh, TB. You know, it takes tribal tribal entrepreneurs to become indiv- individually successful and get into the programs because there is a need for food. There is a need for art. There's a need for um, consulting for business to collaborate, you know, to bring more business in. So it takes the tribal members as individuals to, to bring that entrepreneurial spirit back and give it to uh, the people and share it to show everybody, hey, look, you can do this. It's easy. You can really do it if you're really good at what you, what you do. Um, the other thing is just take advantage of the federal programs, the state programs that are out there. They're easily accessible. They're so – they're the state of Wisconsin dying for vendors that are that are native-owned, individually native-owned because they feel that they can get farther ahead with an individual than this massive government decision process. So if you have a talent, you have a service, you have a good, you have a capacity to uh, do great things, go back into business for yourself. Don't work for us. Don't listen to us. Or bring your talents to somebody that will appreciate it and help them go for it. All righty. All righty, sir. Thank you much for your time, and uh, you have a good day. All right. Take it easy. Wait, what just happened? Is it over? Who won? Yeah, it's over. We all lost. You know, this never would have happened if we went to Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. Someone always wins. What do you mean? Well, you guys do know the difference between Class 2 and Class 3 gaming, right? Okay, in a class three casino, you're playing against the house. So there's no guarantee a player has to win, ever. It's kind of like playing games at Dan's house. Hey. And in a class two casino, the players play against each other and not the house. So someone always wins. So you're saying... He's saying if you want to win at something, you have to go to Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison, a class two casino where someone has to win. Oh, great. Okay, how about this then? Visit Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison today. Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison! Wait, I think we can still win. 
At the legislative meeting of September 20, 2022, a motion by Representative Stephanie Begay, seconded by Representative Phyllis Smoke, asked for the Attorney General Scott Seifert to enforce Section 6A of the Office of General Counsel Establishment and Organization Act. Reading, Section 6, Reporting, Subsection A. The Office of General Counsel shall report to the legislature and or any delegated legislative committee on a quarterly basis as to its activities and planning. Further, the Office of General Counsel shall develop a method of reporting to tribal membership on the activity and planning of the office and report the same. Unquote. The Office of the General Counsel Establishment and Organization Act is illegal. The opinion offered by Attorney General Scott Seifert on July 28, 2022, uh, working off of opinions offered by previous Attorney Generals Amanda White Eagle and Michelle Greender Rave, stated categorically that General Counsel is a separate but equal branch of government and cannot be dictated to by another branch of government. So, the legislature cannot make laws that usurp the power of the general counsel and subjugate it as if it were a department they created. It's troubling, though. Why would the legislature engage in this behavior? Why would they seek to destroy the validity of the separation of powers between equal branches of government? And then ask the attorney general to opine on something that he has already given an opinion on, along with previous attorneys general. Another strange aspect of this motion is we do not have a general counsel advocate to parade before the legislature. Henry White Thunder is the deputy advocate of the general counsel, and his and his job description does not allow, does not allow him to appear without the general counsel's advocate's approval. One would assume that the legislature or the legislative attorney would know this outright. So is this some sort of scheme to oust Henry White Thunder from his position and leave the entire office of general counsel vacant? Now, our legislators took an oath to defend our Constitution. But by overriding the Constitution and basically subverting it to their own advantage, aren't they violating their oath? To do what the legislature is attempting to do, they need an amendment to the Constitution. By attempting to enforce the Office of the General Counsel Establishment and Organization Act, once again, aren't our legislators violating their oath? The Attorney General has opined on this already. Remove this ridiculous request from your monthly legislative meeting and move on to new business. Please. 